You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 15 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholz, and I am delighted to be joined on the line by the editor of the Toolstation Western League bulletin, Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, well, it wasn't a lot of football going on on Saturday, was no, it? No, fortunately not. I think you put the mockers on that, didn't you? Say something about the weather last week. Well, yeah, I did sort of <laughs> wonder whether there comes. I thought we'd been lucky um, yes. with the previous weekend, and of course, we, you know, I think we got to saturation <laughs> point, and uh, as I a result of that, I mean, I think that storm that came in, whatever it was called, didn't help. No, probably not. I think it was then Friday night. Oh, I mean, it was before Friday night. So there was a lot of games that were gone Friday afternoon, wasn't there? Which is there certainly was. Yeah, quite quite remarkable for for, for wet weather, but understandable, I think, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Particularly with the long distance travel, we That's want it. to be That's making it. sure these things get cancelled <laughs> before um, um, too much longer. Anyway, um, but we do have the good news is we do have some football to talk about, um, and uh, it, we also have a couple of interviews for you. We're going to be hearing from the Wellington manager Richard Cherry, and also we're going to be hearing from Marvin Brown and from Canesham Town which actually rhymes. Um, the um, uh, Canesham, of course, one of the few games, well, the only game, the solitary game to be played in the first division. But um, before we get into the uh, the games that were played in the Premier Division, we'll kick things off with our interview with, um, with Richard Cherry from Wellington. And Wellington, of course, weren't playing at the weekend, but they've not had... Um, the greatest of seasons on the pitch so far. So I thought I'd start my conversation with Richard and by reflecting on that run of defeats and the fact that they had a, a welcome weekend off. Do you know, it was actually, and um, <clears throat> we've got a couple of bad injuries and a couple of um, people working away. So as we're a little bit light on the squad anyway, it, uh, it really helps us this weekend. I mean, typically, what do you do when um, players haven't got a game? Do you still get them in for training? Do you do five-a-side? Yeah, we have, um, rather than five-a-side, we do have sort of, sort of coaching sessions, uh, more sort of practical elements on, you know, maybe working on a group like the defensive elements of corners and set pieces and things like that in, on those instances. Um, obviously, we've reflected on the fact it's not been a, an easy season. You've only had one win so far. I mean, what challenges have you faced? <laughs> Thank you for reminding us that. No, um, it's, been, it's been difficult only because um, we're, a, we're a team that uh, you know, has been down that sort of end of the league for a few years and to, um, to get players over and to get and bring them in when we're in an area where such teams as Street, Willand, uh, Cleves and Axminster are all got decent budgets and um, are probably more well known locally for the guys to come through. So um, we've, we've drawn some players from from the younger age groups from the Ovals and from um, sort of the Exeters and been happy to work with them so far but of course when you're in quite a quite a stiff league with regards to the size and physicality uh, that does show where the football can be um, quite reasonable but the level of physicality in the end tells on you. Did you always know this was going to be a hard season? We did. I mean, it's, it has been for the two, last two or three years. However, we lost some players at the beginning of this season when, um, after the good work that Tim Legg and Alex Pope had, had done, I sort of looked to continue on. The chairman was uh, very interested in trying to, trying to carry on. But reality was we lost um, probably nine of the first regular first-team players 
to some of those other clubs. It was time for them to move on. Um, different age groups and things have moved. So, of course, when, after losing players, we had to look at sort of a new project and uh, start to bring new one, new guys in again from the younger, younger levels to develop. So what were your expectations going into this campaign? The expectations really were after, after knowing that, uh, I knew that we would be up against it. But with our first 11 or 12, I think we can compete with the up to halfway in the league. Um, and we, we have shown that on occasions at the beginning of the season. Uh, but of course, as soon as we had injuries or... Uh, and we had some quite bad ones. We had some breaks and uh, some fractures and things. Um, that's cost us uh, those senior players. Um, and now we're looking to improve the football, but the physicality is definitely telling on us. I mean, we might perhaps get an insight into your footballing background before we before we finish. But I mean, the, the winter weather can be a great leveller, particularly in non-league football. So, do you think that with the time you've had with the players and perhaps with pitches cutting up over the winter months, you might be able to? Um, you've seen the signs that you can perhaps pick up a few more points. Definitely. We've um, again. What's happened is, you know, this is the time of year when players who have started off at other clubs maybe not getting their, uh, the amount of game time they like. So there's a few on the move, things like that. So we're looking to bring in and strengthen as well. Um, but the guys we have got have put in a good shift. And there are signs, as you say, of um, of looking closely to getting a couple of results. We've got a couple of players uh, that have just joined us again after a while. Um, and with them all playing, and we're getting back to that full fitness level now, uh, we will be a bit of a tougher tougher opponent to, um, to beat this time. So how optimistic are you feeling that you won't be in the bottom two come the end of the season? I think, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a big ask, uh, particularly on our constraints of the pitch and our, um, you know, the first nine games are away from home um, and the budget that we have. But I think we'll be in the bottom half, but I would think we will definitely move up a couple of places. Well, you've got a test on Saturday. Um, you're playing St Blasey, but um, I mean, I don't know if you've been keeping an eye on the weather forecast. How optimistic are you that that game will be on? Well, that is one of those things, isn't it? The last few weeks has been um, quite incredible with hurricanes and storms and then sort of great sunshine. So depending on how the pitches play and whether they want the game on or not, um, we'd like to think we can get it on down there. After that, there's quite a run of games for you. Um, Clevedon, Torpoint, Buckland and Barnstable. I mean, they're all top teams. So are you looking at that as a bit of a free hit for your side is it an opportunity to perhaps play some of the football that you want want them to play without necessarily the expectation that they, they're going to take points from those games yeah there is a little bit of that uh, and the feeling is that you know we, we drew at Helston first game of the season and we have got the ability to stay in games for long periods it does depend on the personnel that are, are fit and able with the right personnel then we, we would match and sort of give most of them a good game it just depends what we've got on the bench and um, the strength and depth that we can call upon. So one final question, Richard. I do appreciate you taking the time to speak to us, but this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your footballing journey to the Wellington dugout? Certainly. OK. Um, so back in the day, at 17, um, joined Southend United as an apprentice under um, Bobby Moore, would you believe it, um, and did the Colchester and sort of clubs and around Essex, um, sort of first-year pros, that sort of thing. Um, played for Gillingham under John Gorman, who's a super coach. Um, then non-league, was sold to a couple of different clubs. I was a, a big old-fashioned striker, used to get sort of 25, 30 goals most seasons. So I played for Dagnall and Redbridge and Grays Athletic and Kingstonian um, with FA Cups and things. And then um, 
funnily enough, uh, Jeff Harrop, um, who was at Colchester United with me a long time ago, was down at Torquay United um, and offered me the chance to uh, work with them um, on the youth capacity all the way through, get all my badges. Um, and he picked my son and so worked through the ranks and then that sort of 10 years uh, with with uh, Torquay went on to help Exeter because a few of the guys had gone to Exeter after that um, and then that's where I met Alex Pope who um, encouraged me to come and join Wellington and sort of be a development coach and work with him and Tim Legg to uh, develop the first team and look at set pieces and things like that uh, for the last couple of seasons and um, finally they moved on and uh, the, the chairman was, I think, liked what I'd done so far and was interested in sort of pushing that on with the players that we had. It's a fascinating story, Richard, not least because one of the things that has interested me is the way that um, we coach and manage players in the modern game. And, of course, talking about your schooling in football, in professional football, no less, um, you must have seen a very different culture to the one that you're, in, you're instilling in younger players, not just at Wellington, but obviously at your time at Torquay and Exeter. Absolutely. There's, um, you know, the, the academy process, um, like it or not, and there are some for, some against, um, is a technical process, bringing players through. Um, not always sure it's the best um, analogy to work with for some of the guys. Um, they need different, different programmes. Um, and, of course, we've got a lot of technical footballers, but um, sort of understanding where they go from the sort of 18s onwards is difficult. And obviously their next level is immediately into men's football and often into this level of football, uh, the West Tall Station Western League. Um, and sometimes the physicality is too much. So they don't get a chance to develop perhaps their football um, skills whilst having to be men perhaps too early for them. And my thanks to Richard for his time. Now, we'll kick things off with a five-goal thriller between Brixham and Torpoint Athletic. Yeah, absolutely. This was um, yeah, pretty incredible comeback from from Torpoint to, to claim a 3-2 win uh, at Brixham, who'd been well going pretty well of recent weeks. I think they were one of the teams we'd picked out as being in good form. Uh, but yeah, uh, three goals in the space of 22nd half minutes uh, helped Brixham uh, pick up... Sorry. <clears throat> Helped Torpoint pick up a, a 3-2 victory in this one. Um, yeah, Homeside, as I say, had been going great guns and uh, they started started pretty well in this one. A couple of goals from Cole Harford and, and Aaron Wellington putting them two goals clear. Uh, but yeah, Torpoint seemed to, you know, um, come into come into life after the break. Uh, Elliot Crawford pulling goal back for them. And then from there, they, they continued to go forward and, and push on and, and, and got more. And it was a couple of goals from Ryan Richards, uh, the second of which uh, came eight minutes from time. So we're all, um, yeah, real... <laughs> Excellent fight, Bat. Real, real stunner, really. And uh, to a point, running out three-two victors. So, congrats, congrats to the away side in that one. Yeah, and uh, a good crowd there as well. One hundred and sixty-four, mm, braving the elements. So, they're glad they got their money's worth. Although I suspect the home fans probably would have preferred <laughs> a different result. But anyway, we move on to um, to Helston Athletic, where the visitors were Premier Division new boys Nailsey and Tickenham. And I don't think that the score necessarily did this one justice, Tom. Potentially not. No, I mean it was um, yeah a couple of couple of couple of late goals um, helping Helston to to claim the three one win. And obviously uh, looking back on the the last game we covered, you mentioned uh, yeah maybe the home fans wouldn't have gone home happy. Helston were the only team uh, on Saturday to to get their game to go ahead and actually pick up the three points. So uh, yeah, they'll be uh, happy that they did just that. And uh, as, as yeah, they fell behind to to Lucas Vowles in this one, so it looked like Nailsy and Tickenham were were, were potentially going to grab something. But uh, yeah, Helston came surging back, uh, leveling affairs pretty soon after, 
uh, Captain Harrison dual heading home. Uh, it was then a penalty from Jordan Cop putting them ahead for the first time uh, before Ruben Wilson added a real late third. So as I say, it was a yeah um, a couple of late goals in this one, but Helston running out three one winners over Nailsy and Tickenham. Yeah, I watched the um, YouTube highlights from Purin Films on. Um... Uh, for this game, and um, yeah, it was uh, nails in ticking him. I thought put in a you know put in a decent shift. I think Helston, to be fair, with a better team on the day, and probably you know deserved all three points. But um, nails in Tickenham's performance, I thought they um, they uh, they did well. So um, credit to them. Um, now, finally, in the Premier Division, uh, a clash of last season's titans. Saltash United against Bridgewater United, and this was a really close run affair, Tom. Yeah, it was. Um, another team to come from behind to, to claim victory. It was Bridgewater on this this occasion, uh, getting a 2-1 win out of Saltash, who continued to, to struggle in the league, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, Ethan Wright putting them ahead, uh, the Ashes at halftime. So they were in position to uh, to, to get a, a much-needed win, really. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, the Somerset outfit uh, fighting back after the break, making a real, well, dream start to the start of the second period. Uh, George King heading them heading them level. Uh, and then it was uh, uh, Jack Fawn uh, scoring pretty soon after, actually, uh, with a pretty, pretty, pretty strong finish. I'd seen that one as well. And uh, he put them two and up, and that was... Um, he he assisted the first, scored the second, so his he played a bit of a starring role, uh, and they did hold out during the second half. So it was uh, Bridgewater two, Saltash one. And now a message from our sponsors. Whatever the job, with over twenty five thousand products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect, and conquer at Toolstation. Now we will turn our attention to that solitary game in the first division, Canesham Town against Cribs Reserves. Canesham, obviously, with the all-weather pitch, getting this game on. A healthy three-figure crowd uh, at the game. Um, but uh, the home fans won't have gone home happy here, Tom. No, absolutely not. It was uh, the Cribs reserve side that did come away with the the three points in this one. Um, yeah, as as would as would um, as would have uh, seen from the the league table. Really, I think this probably went with went with the form guide. Uh, a first half goal from Jack Guffrey putting them in in front. Uh, it was then James Clayton. He's having a, an excellent season. I know there's a, a couple of, I think there's three Claytons who play for the uh, the Cribs Reserves. I know uh, Kieran and Liam, I think as well. But it was James on Saturday afternoon who got his name on the score sheet really early in the second half to put them put them two 0 up and uh, in command really. Uh, Joe Davis coming on uh, for Canesham, pulling goal back five minutes from time to set up a potentially uh, grandstand finish. But it was a, a substitute of uh, of Cribs own, in fact, who who buried the game. It was Tom Headford. Uh, in the 89th minute, making it 3-1. And that, that was how it stayed. So another away win on Saturday afternoon. In the, as you say, very few games went ahead, uh, but three of them going in the way of the away sides. Now, normally, you know, we talk to managers after they've had a positive result, but um, with so few games going ahead in the first division, I thought we would this would be a good opportunity to catch up with Marvin Brown from Canesham Town. And uh, I started by um, talking to Marvin about that game on uh, on Saturday and um, reflecting on that disappointing result. Yeah, I think um, like I said, we've got we've got the three G pitch, so for us that's a, a bonus, and very rarely we get games called off. Um, so we did have the issues earlier in the year with. Um, the uh, problems with the pitch and it being signed off to be playing in the league and so on. So we missed a few games there. But other than that, we very rarely get, get games called off. So that is a bonus for us. And like I said, it was it was great to get it. We think we've got four games in hand over most teams. So it was it was good to get that one on, really. Now, I know results haven't been going your way this season. What, what do you put that down to? A really young team. 
lots of naivety. I think we have some sort of key performance indicators that, that we have and that we try to achieve, and we're hitting nearly all of them with regards to the percentage we want to have of the ball, the number of times we want to win the ball back in the opposition half, and lots of other things that we, we feel will usually get results. But it's really just in the boxes. We're creating so many chances and not taking them, um, and we're not defending the box well enough. Now, that comes with some type of experience, and and I think we've got we lack that, and that's something that the the lads will have to pick up soon to just make sure we're not in a in a relegation battle for the season. But they're aware of that, and we've we're going to make a few tweaks to um, our style of play. It won't be wholesale change because I think it's important that we continue to play the way that we do. Um, with the nature of the players we've got, but we are going to make some tweaks and see if that we can um, get a few more people in the box at one end and um, try and again get the players back to defend our box better as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be a, an effort for everybody. It's the players have to try and execute what we're asking them to do, and we need to try and make sure that we put the best plan together for for the nature of the players that we've got. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? Because you managed to help hold um, the the division leaders Portis head to a one-all draw at your place, so there's definitely positive signs as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we're in every game. You know, we we compete, we compete regularly, and it's sometimes, you know, just I don't think there's a a team in the league who we sort of fear. We don't go into any game thinking, oh no, we're playing this team because they're first or second or third, or we just know the ability of the boys that we've got, and when we put it together for 19 minutes we're outstanding the problem that we've got is we put it together you know for 60 of the 19 in that 30 is when you know we we get into trouble really um concede the goals and, and miss the chances and so on so you know just on pure ability um player wise i don't think we're a bottom half team but it is a you know the boys do have to understand that it's not college and academy football when they're playing for kingdom so it's trying to turn that possession football, that um, wanting the ball, the, you know, not just going back to front because we haven't got the players to do it anyway. They have to then really have that desire and that will to win. And I think that that's probably something where we've been where we've been lacking. Um, like I said, a lot of these players are still playing 18s football, um, still playing college football, recently come out of academies where development's the focus. And I think it's a mindset change that we need to support the boys with to to make them understand that, you know, it's not just about what looks like playing well, having lots of the ball. We have to, you know, turn that into into results and they're slowly starting to, to understand that. Now, I know last season was difficult as well. Um, were you disappointed to be relegated from the Premier Division? Yeah, we were. Um, two reasons, really. One, I just think with the players that we had, we shouldn't have really, and that wasn't good enough from, from everybody. And I think, you know, it kind of shows with the number of players who have gone on to play um, higher leagues um, at the end of the season and you know we're really pleased for those for those lads as part of the project we understand that we've got a budget that will be you know bottom of the league last season will be bottom of the league this this year so we understand that we've got those constraints but where we think that we can get those advantages is having um, a program that's enjoyable for the lads to play in that they understand that you know when people come in they won't be held back so they'll come in and they want to play for us and try and showcase what they can do to either go to a, a club with a decent budget or go to a club where they can further their um, careers in higher leagues and so on so because of that we will try and run things as professionally as we can we do get a lot of young talented lads who want to come and play for us and 
that really helps, you know, and that's a big part of the project. But at the same time, you don't want to be doing that and getting relegated. The, the point is to be competitive whilst helping young players. You know, we want to to clubs where they can either earn a living through football or, again, just push on as high as they can. And, you know, we've had two players, Jaheim Allen and Carl Anderson, who have been with us this season and have now gone and, and joined Yates town um and that will be a regular occurrence with us just because like i said we've got a lot of young talented talented lads um but off the back of that you know we've had other lads who, who want to come in and, and play for us so you know it's uh it's not easy the circumstances but we understood it when we came in um and it's you know what we myself and ash morgan co-manager it's what we do and what we believe in is always about supporting young players so you know, we do understand that comes with, like I said, naivety and inexperience, but we're working hard to, to try and turn it around. I mean, having played in the Premier Division last season and finding yourselves in the First Division this, what what, what do you um, make of the standard that, that, that the team are currently playing at? How close are the standards between the Premier and our First Division? There's a lot more um, teams, I think, in this league who have some young lads playing. I think we've played quite a few games where... Um, you know, there are sprinkled in some some young lads who have been given opportunities last year. It looked or seemed, and in the conversations that we had, the average age of the squads was a lot higher than it seems to be in, in this league. So I think it's probably just really experienced that's the difference. There hasn't been a massive, um, other than probably maybe two or three of the top clubs last season who were outstanding. Um, I don't think that there's a you know, a massive gap and I think a lot of the teams in this league um, could comfortably compete in the league above. Um, so I don't think there's a huge difference. The big difference for us was, you know, this year we're not having to travel down to Cornwall and Devon every other week to, to play our games. So that's been a one bonus, but obviously it wasn't one that we were hoping for because we didn't obviously want to get relegated. And the fact that the two leagues, I'm sure you're aware of, didn't merge last year. Um, where we weren't necessarily expecting relegations to happen because of the merger. Obviously, that did happen, and, and we are in the place where we are. But I wouldn't say that there's a, a huge difference outside of probably um, just experienced players in, in the league above. So let's talk about your next game. It's Cheddar. Their form hasn't been great. So are you targeting this, targeting this game for a win? Yeah, we, we target every game for a win. Um, we never go out and we never, you know, drop into a deep block and you know, park the bus and just hope that we don't concede. That's never going to be our style of play. It's not what we do. It doesn't even cross our mind. So we go into every game hoping to win. But the boys do have that um, incentive, I suppose, of trying to get double over a team. We beat them earlier on in the season. Um, and so I think that would hopefully just breed confidence into the squad. Um, ready for this weekend and you know we are really looking forward to it we don't think it's going to be an easy game there's no easy games in this league but we will um, we will be competitive and the boys will be prepared ready for the game so hopefully we do get get a three points and my thanks to Marvin for his time uh, now we take a look ahead to the fixtures coming up on what will be Saturday the 11th of November um, it is FA Vars' second round. 
uh, time. So we've got plenty of uh, action um, from um, still from clubs in the Tool Station Western League. I'll quickly run you through the games uh, involving our sides. Bridgewater United take on Longwell Green Sports. That's in an all Tool Station Western League affair. Buckland Athletic, they entertain St. Austell. Clevedon Town, they take on Brockenhurst. And Brixham AFC, they make the trip in, onto the continent. Well, no, not really, just the Isle <laughs> of Wight. And when they travel to Cow Sports. Falmouth Town, they take on Moneyfield. Nowsey and Tickenham take on Hartpury College. Uh, Saltash United take on Downton, no, not the Abbey. And Wells City, um, they entertain Portland United. Uh, we have got games going on in the Premier Division and First Division, hopefully, fingers crossed. Tom, which game has caught your eye? Oh, so in the uh, in the Prem, I've plumped for, yeah, as you said, there's only, only four, I think, on Saturday afternoon in the, in the Prem. And I've gone for Helston uh, against Street. Uh, they did recently meet in the uh, in the Vars these two sides, and it was Helston who came out on top in in that one, a uh, four-two win. That was a uh, about a month and a half ago. So Street potentially a uh, little bit of improvement since then. But looking at their results, they are definitely uh, a side that know how to find the back of the net. They've been scoring a fair few goals themselves. But Helston uh, banging form, and uh, yeah, that should be a, a decent encounter, I think, on, on Saturday afternoon. Helston looking to to push up the table. Helston certainly looking to push up the table. Two sides um, that perhaps find themselves a little bit lower down the table, but makes this a competitive side. Welton Rovers against Ilfracombe Town. Tom Smith talked about Ilfracombe Town in the interview that I did with him last week. This is a game I know he'd dearly love to get all three points from. And I'm sure that Clem Benelic feels the same way. Welton haven't been conquering all before them this season. So both sides going into this game at Welton Rovers with um, a, a good chance of taking something from it. Uh, so then heading into the first division, Tom, what game catches your eye there? I've gone for the table toppers. I, I want to have a, another another look at Porter's head, see how they get on. Uh, taking on a, a bitten side, this should be a pretty, well, pretty pretty tight affair, I'd have thought. I think uh, I do like looking at previous uh, fixtures between between sides when, when plumping for a fixture. And uh, they did they did meet earlier in the season and it was a one-all draw then. So I don't think uh, Porter's head will have it all their own way, especially uh, being away from home on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but they are top, and uh, I think it would give them the uh, just correct myself, but I think it would give them the chance to to reach the fifty point barrier before they've played half the matches. So uh, yeah, they're going great guns, aren't they? But bitten eleven wins already this year. They're uh, yeah, they're definitely one of the uh, the top sides, aren't they? I think in sixth. I think looking at it now. Uh, so yeah, that should be a, a decent tussle. I think. I agree. And of course, coming up on the rails and um, behind Portishead Town is, of course, Radstock Town. But they've got to travel to Wincanton Town, where they'll certainly need to be at the races if they're going to take anything from that game. Wincanton going well in the first division, uh, always formidable at home, pretty formidable anywhere. Um, so that's going to be no easy feat for the resurgent Radstock Town. So, yeah, plenty of games in the first division um, that I'm sure are going to be very competitive. There's just a there's just a couple. Um, we won't do the league tables, Tom, because we did that last week and not a great deal has changed since we last spoke. Um, so really all that remains um, for us to to say at the end of this episode of the podcast is um, where can we find your excellent work in the Western League Bulletin? Mm, yeah, indeed. So that is on the uh, the Toolstation League website. As uh, uh, in, in the latest news section, there's also a little little button on the left-hand side of the, of the homepage as well. Uh, you can, yeah, that comes out every week and you can actually subscribe as well. Get that straight to your inbox if, if you so please. And that comes out, as I say, mostly uh, Sunday mornings after the after the uh, the games on Saturday afternoon. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much, as always, for your time. And I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>